Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. As a community, we are learning the way of Jesus and serving our city. Redemption Hill is kind of different. We are a collective of micro churches that gather together on Sundays to grow and connect and worship. So don't wait anymore. Join us Sundays at Boise Friends Church in the gym at 10.30 a.m. and get connected to the community you need in this season of your life. All the details you need are at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the training and teaching time from this week's gathering. Stay tuned after the sermon for more info on how to get connected. To kind of define the boundaries of who's in and who's out. And how do, how do we do that as the church? Trying to define, well, who's a part of the church and who's not? Well, we've created these boundaries, and we say, okay, well, you have, to, you have to believe the right things, and you have to do the right things, and you have to be a part of the right things. And we make this what we call like a walled garden. Okay, we create a wall around the outside saying, if you're inside these lines, then you belong to God's people, and if you're outside, you don't belong to God's people. But that's not the picture that we get of what it means to be in Christ. What the picture that we get here is that intimacy with God brings us into relationship with one another. And so it's like Christ is at the center, and you and I are drawn near to each other in unity as we move towards Christ. Because if you're coming out here, and I'm starting down in the way of Jesus, to look at who he is and let the words of Christ shape us from the inside out. Today we're going to look at this prayer of blessing, and... uh, it's gonna, it feels so um, familiar because it's something you've probably heard like a lot of times. Something that is very familiar. But what I want you to do is I want you to look at it as a picture into the prayer life of Paul. Because it's going to tell you about the intimacy he has and the way that he cares about the people in Ephesus and Asia Minor that this was written to. So let's start... Let's start with one second. I want, I want everybody to take their analytical hats off. Okay? Okay, thank you, Jess. Take your analytical hats off, because when we, when we approach the Word of God, we're not judging the Word of God. We're asking the Word of God to judge us. And so when we enter in, we lay down our, our critic's hat and our judge's hat. We set it aside and we say, God, I want you to read me through this. And so let's just take a second. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to open up your hands. And I I want us to repent, which is to, to change our minds from analysis, from critique, to an openness to God speaking into our hearts. Lord Jesus, I confess that the way that I enter in is almost always in a detached way. With my mind first, my body second, my emotions far last. But I pray, God, that I enter in wholly and let the word speak. That as we receive this, that it would transform us and let us move into the way of Jesus. And Paul wrote this to the church in Asia Minor. When I think of all this, I fall on my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, 
I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. And then you will be made complete to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forevermore. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just walk through it. I think that this is a passage that really lends itself to that verse-by-verse walkthrough, okay? So, verse 14. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. So let's, let's start by moving backwards. We just read from Ephesians chapter 3, right? We've been in Ephesians chapter 3, and he's saying, when, when he thinks of all that he has just said about God uniting us into one people, of us being saved through faith by grace, of us being united in Christ. He's saying, see for his people, or he's making a house, which is the purpose of our existence is to literally be a house for God's dwelling. And then he also talks about being the temple, like God is building for himself a temple to be like the literal glorious presence of God in the world. And that's what he's doing when he builds his church. So in light of that, and then he wants to, in chapter 3, proclaim this profound miracle of the plan of God where he brings together enemies and makes them one body and where our well-being is tied to one another. Um, I think this week in particular, we're seeing that treaties and mutual defense pacts are very important for protecting ourselves. We're watching, uh, this, this Ukraine-Russia thing is completely crazy, but look at Ukraine. It's 40 million people, and they're sitting alone in between NATO and Russia. They have no mutual defense pacts. There's no one in their corner. And what's going to happen to them? They're going to be squeezed by these powers at both sides, but the body of Christ is united because we have this mutual defense pact where we belong to the Father, and if something threatens us, what's he going to do? He's going to come to our aid, and we're going to be united by our shared connection with the Father. So that's verse 14. Paul's, Paul's got all this stuff in mind that he's talking about when he prays this, so it's not... This is an easy prayer that's like, oh, it's, it's a nice blessing of God's love, but it's much deeper than that. So let's keep going. Verse 15. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I think this is an idea that's hard for us to comprehend. The idea that there are unlimited resources. Maybe the only place that you truly experience that, has anybody ever played uh, Minecraft when you're in the mode where you don't have to go mining, you just have unlimited resources and you can build whatever you want? You probably don't know about this. I barely know about it. I, I, I <laughs> Somebody told me this literally yesterday. <laughs> I didn't know that there was this feature. But in video games, you can play with like these, un, like 
an unlimited round of, of weapons and ammo. Like, that's unrealistic. Every part of our life is limited. I bet 100% of your thought life goes into dealing with the limitations of the resources that are available to you. We are always constantly managing our resources, our energy. We're constantly going, well, I only have so much energy, and so I need to make sure that I use it for the stuff that I, that I, that I think is important. I only have so much money. It's a finite resource, and there's never enough, and there's always too much stuff I want to do or stuff I want to have. I'm always managing my time because I only have 168 hours a week, and there's not enough of it for me to do all the things that I want to do, the things that I care about. Um, we're managing a resource like goodwill and friendship. Like, I only have so much goodwill, and if I ask them to do that thing over and over again, what's going to happen? I'm going to run out. They're going to they're gonna stop. They're going to be like, new phone, who dis, when you call them about that, that babysitting you need. You know, you gotta, you got to manage babysitting resources particularly well. There's only so much of it. Um, natural resources, like our, our earth is a finite resource. There's only so much of everything, and when we run out of it, it's gone. Space. In your house, you're managing the resource that's limited, which is space that's protected from the outside. And so we're always looking around going, how can I maximize this resource? We're always thinking about our investments, and there's only so much money we have and so much time we have, so we've got to think about how do I create what I need out of it. So as humans, like, we, we can't comprehend living in a moment that's not managing limited resources. We're always thinking about it. And here's Paul. He's calling on the God of all creation who, who built billions of sons. Like from within him, billions of suns and stars were born. Hundreds of billions of planets and satellites. Uh, he, was, he was the holder of all energy. So before the Big Bang, when everything came into all being, all energy and matter was contained inside of God. So imagine the resource that's available to the Father. All the energy, all the space, all the time that you could ever need, he has it at his fingertips. Literally, through his voice, he divined fiat. He calls things into existence by speaking them. And he's praying, Paul's praying, that God's people will be empowered with inner strength from this spirit, with unlimited resource. Now, I want you to stop, and I want you to just think, what would it mean? Like, I, I'm just trying to imagine. I, I can't even imagine as a human being. And Paul's saying, I want this to be true of you. And this isn't just, this isn't power for us to feel, for us to use our power for power's sake. Uh, what Paul's saying is, like, really hard. He's, he's saying that God is doing this miraculous thing where he's taking all these people and he's turning them into his people. And that's a miraculous work that takes the God of the universe and all the powers of the universe to create a people. You and I don't have the power to unite the people of Christ into one body. You and I are actually constantly working against the people of God being united into one body, into his household for the world to experience his presence. Just this week, I, I heard a couple of just devastating stories, how you deal with it. And this probably tells you more about yourself than anything. I want you to think about a really ugly church situation that you've been a part of or that you've seen or maybe you've seen in the news. And I, wanna, I want you to ask, which, which of these is you, okay? The first is, you feel superior to them. 
and you think, I'm glad I'm not a part of that, or I'm glad I'm not leading that. And then uh, in your head, you kind of kick them out of the family. You're like, they're not real followers of Jesus like, like my people. You guys would never think that, right? None of you would ever feel morally superior to other people. <laughs> I, ha I haven't either. You're right, you're right. Um, and the second is, you can see it as your family and move in with support and care for them. You can, you can think of yourself having a shared outcome where their, their curse is your curse and their blessing is your blessing. In my weakness, I'm going to say I'm tired and it's too much energy for me to engage and to deal with other people's problems. I've, I have better things to do than deal with their foolishness. In my limited resource, I'm going to ghost those people rather than pursue unity in Christ where I have conflict. I'm just going to walk away because it's so hard in my limited resource to enter in. I'm going to wait for the phone call from that person and then I'm probably going to avoid it when it comes. I don't have it in me to pursue the unity of the body of Christ. But with the unlimited resources of the God of the universe, who knows what is possible for God's people to grow, to become healthy, to be united as one? What if you and I and the body of Christ in our city were empowered with the inner strength that comes from, this, not something that comes from your good management, but it comes as a gift of grace from the Father to give you what you need? Uh, I, heard a, I heard a funny story about a public figure. I'm not going to say who it is because it's just too politically polarizing. But this political figure believed that um, if, he, if he did too much, he would run out of energy. And so he didn't like to exercise because he was afraid he'd run out of energy. Which, like, in a, re in a resource mind that thinks about scarcity, that would make sense, right? If I use up my energy, I won't have it in the future. But in your bodies, what happens when you use your bodies? Well, I'm not a scientist. I don't play one on TV. But I did take anatomy and physiology, and I got a 50% in college. So I can tell you this. Um, I got a B. It was a big curve. Uh, in every single cell of your body is a mitochondria. And that mitochondria is this little energy. It's the powerhouse of the cell. Thank you. And what does it create? It creates this little substance called a... ATP. There we go. ATP. It's, it's this substance that's literally the energy that your cell uses to thrive and grow and multiply. And it's just like a muscle. The mitochondria in every cell is just like a muscle. The more it works, the better it produces energy. And so within you, with a limit, your body gets stronger and produces more energy the more that it's used. The difference is the mentality. One mentality is a, is a scarcity mentality where I look at something and say there's not enough for what, what's in front of me. And the other is an, a mindset of abundance that says, you see what Paul's saying here is that the things he's called you to, he's given you what you need. And he's the God of endless resource. And so I want to ask you, and we're going to do it right now, are you bold enough to pray this for yourself or to receive this prayer from Paul 
2,000 years ago to say, let God's people have access to the resource of the Father. And today we're going to be praying as we go because I think this passage just demands it. And so um, I, want, I want you to, I want to ask you this question. Do we have the questions on the, hopefully? Okay. I didn't, that's on me. That's on me. Okay, so we're going to pray through this question. I'm sure you take a couple minutes, and this is space to be vulnerable. And here's the question I want you to ask. Father, do you really have unlimited resources for me to pursue my calling in unity? If so, I want it. Let's ask the Father if he really has that for us. Holy Father, Paul saw you with clearer eyes than I do. He saw that you, as the God of all creation, has what I need. And so, Father, I repent of my scarcity mentality, of managing my energy and my time and my resources because I'm afraid you won't give me enough. Holy Father, give us access to the empowerment of your Spirit's presence. And let us faithfully pursue listening to you and doing what you've called us to by the power of your Spirit, not in our own strength. And God, when we're weak, may we lean in deeper to you. May we listen and pray for strength. Father, may we be so close to you that your power, like your glory, it rubs off on us. That because of our intimate connection with you, we can bring the power of your spirit to bring unity and to bring restoration and to bring healing to the people. Amen. And now we get to the heart of this book. Verse 17. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. This is so powerful. The first verse is all about, is all about the power, the resource that we need and where we get it from. This second part is about the means of that power is through what? Connection with the Father. Intimacy with the Father. Understanding and receiving the love of the Father. Now this, is, this is the two big questions for not just the church, but like almost all, of, almost all creative work is asking a question about. Like love and power are the center of human experience. It's, it's why we exist is... And it goes back to the garden and to our purpose where God says, be fruitful in our relationship and multiply. 
We're supposed to tend the garden. There's these two, these two things. We connect and we multiply, and we take the calling of, of managing the resources of the kingdom, and we, we grab hold of the power God's entrusted to us. Now, of course, both those things are deeply perverted in our, in our flesh, right? But these are the questions that Paul's answering right here. And, and so much ink is misspilled because these are the, the great needs of humanity. We need connection, and we need purpose, and we need sustenance. And, and they so quickly turn into this unhealthy need for approval and the drive for ambition and overwhelming appetites that ruin our lives. We, we want power because we want to feel like God. We want to we eliminate suffering with our work and our effort. And so we use our power to gather up resources, and then we, we imagine that there's a zero-sum game with power. That if you have power, it's a threat to my power because there's only so much power to have. And so I've got to take power and take position and take privilege away from you so that I get it myself. This is the heart of sin, is me saying there's not enough, and I must take from you to have what I need. It's the heart of distrust of the Father. Anytime you feel a lack of resource, it's because each of us is saying, I don't really believe that God's going to provide what I need for what he's given me. And love is this, it's the great mistress that we're chasing after. We, we hope that we're going to fill this aching void in our hearts for connection and for purpose and for pleasure. We seek it like believe that we're not enough. We believe that we don't belong. And this is fundamentally about our relationship with the Father. Our right relationship with love and power is going to set us on a trajectory of intimacy with God and peace with the world. Because once we've settled these two questions, everywhere we go, we're not demanding that the world give me connection and the world give me power. We can give away connection as a gift to others rather than demanding it. We can give away power and position because our position is not threatened anymore. It all comes down to this verse right here. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So much of the church, we, we think of it as having Christ in us. Like there's, there's some verses that talk about having Christ inside of us and his spirit being in us. But Ephesians is the other way around. It's about us being in Christ. And I think that it's a better picture of trust and relationship with God where he is a good father who's available with open arms and abundant resource. And the way that we enter into a relationship with him is we sidle up to him. Like in my bed in the morning, I'll wake up, and whether I like it or not, I've got a four-year-old laying on my face underneath my arm, and I've got a five-year-old asking me questions about dinosaurs. <laughs> and it's because I'm their dad, and I'm, I'm their warmth, and I'm their resource, and I'm available to them. And the way that they get relationship is by entering in. Their identity is settled. They're known, and they're loved, and they have everything that they need. And Christ will make his home in your hearts as you, anytime you read trust, I want you to change trust to lean. Trust is leaning into, putting your weight into, entrusting your need into. 
And what happens when we put our trust in him? Power's not the answer. What's the answer? Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. This is, and I, I love that they used like a, a root metaphor because I think that um, we imagine ourselves as biological beings that are wireless, right? <laughs> like that's just the autonomous human body allows us to fill up with resource go expend the resources, then have to come back and get the resource. But when you're a plant, you're rooted. You're in the ground, and your only way to be fed and nourished is to you. They literally pull them out of the ground, they shake the dirt off, and they mail them to you. I don't know if you knew that. That's, you can buy hundreds of trees that way in boxes. <laughs> and they show up at your house, but you know what? Those trees are dying. They're, they're fundamentally dying. But when you put them into healthy dirt, then they're ready to, to, to be rooted and trans, transplanted in that new space. And, and I think that so often, so when, when you put the tree in the ground, we use like a, like a nutrient. I, I like to think of it as a potion. <laughs> you just like pour it on. It's like thrive kind of stuff. And it, it like gives, it gives the, the roots like a boost of energy. But what they really need is they need to settle into the dirt. They need to build out new tentacles at the ends of the roots to receive what's being provided for it. It's not found through effort. It's found through abiding by being one with the Father, by being rooted deeply in Him. Here Paul prays for us to be empowered by the Father through the Spirit um, think, think of this use of power as like spiritual strength or vitality. And I think that this is Paul praying that the Spirit's going to initiate with us by giving us the resources to move towards God. That's the way that faith works. When we're disconnected from God, He literally sends the Spirit, and the Spirit convicts you and gives you just enough faith to move towards God. He he reaches out and he infuses into you the faith to move towards him. And I think that, this is the way that I read it, is that each of us need to then respond to the invitation and the resource God gives us of that faith. And when we respond, then we root ourselves in God's love. When we're disconnected from the Father and he's constantly sending his spirit with conviction and invitation and the faith that we need to come back, it's not enough to keep us sustained, but that's how most of us live. We live as like, like these devices that get used up and the batteries drain themselves and then we need to go get filled up again. But, but Paul's saying, I pray that you'll live rooted in the love of Christ, that your identity will be so profoundly intertwined with Christ himself that in him you'll get the power to live the way that he's called. In him you will know your true identity and that your connection with him is settled by his loving relationship with you. This is how power works. Legitimate power is bestowed from the powerful to the weak as a gift. A zero-sum game where it's either my control or his control. It is that way, but when you lean in and allow him to be in control, he, he entrusts to you his power. And 
And we aren't sycophants who are like hoping to gain power through proximity. The arms of the king are wide and generous, and when we draw near, we get his presence and his power for his work and the unity that he is, this mystery of the unity in the, in the people of Jesus that Paul is revealing to us in Ephesians. What a picture. Our roots, when they're disconnected, they're dry and they're starting to wilt. By his, plow, by his power, we're transplanted into his garden. And as we grow our roots into his love, we get the power that's going to keep us strong. Now, my bet is, as I've been talking, you've been thinking about yourself. Who here? I'm going to give you an answer. No, almost all of the yous and yours here are plural. Because what is he talking about? He's talking about us, the united body of Christ. The whole book is about us. We're called out of community uh, to be Jesus followers. And now I want to read it again, and I want you to think of us as one, okay? I want to read this passage again, and I want you to think of it as this is who we are. That we, instead of it being about a personal relationship where you're saved into the people of, of God, where you're saved into his family, think of it as God calling himself a people to be his own. And that our participation in it lets us enjoy the fruit of salvation. Do you see? It's a subtle difference, but it's important because it's not about you as an individual. It's about God himself creating for himself a family as you all trust in him. Your, the church's roots, will grow down into God's love and it will keep you strong. This is good news. When we are rooted in Christ, we become strong. So let's, let's spend a moment praying again. And let's ask this question. Is Christ at home in our hearts? Is Christ at home in our hearts? And the, and, and the answer to that is, do we trust him? If we trust him, he is at home in our hearts. And so let's lay down all the things we're worried about and let's actively trust him. Is Christ at home in our hearts? Do we trust him? Father, we repent. We repent of all the ways that we we lean on our own understanding. Lord God, I repent of all the ways that I don't trust you and I grasp for resource and I grasp for power and I grasp for connection. Change my heart. I want you, Jesus, to be at home in, in us, in your people. And I want us to be deeply rooted in your love. God, make us like good rich kids who get that there is no end to the boundless grace of the Father. 
Lord God, open up our hands in ways that says nothing that we have is a limited resource. It all comes from you and there's always enough. May this be true of us, your people. In Jesus' name. Verse 18. And may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Um, my kids have like five books that are all about like being insecure, whether their mom loves them. Have you seen these books? Like, Mama, do you love me? It's like, it's like 17 pages where the kid's like, no, Mama, do you really love me? And the mama, like, you know, it's, it's sweet, it's nice, but, but that's the way we live <laughs> as the people of God. We live as if we're not sure if the God of the universe loves us. We're not sure. Theo and I have like a one-upmanship where we're always saying how much we love each other and he'll say I love you and I'll say I really love you and he'll say I love you a hundred mega suns worth because that's the biggest thing in the universe is a mega sun <laughs> you know other than never just not getting astrophysics um, but like he's like a hundred and I'm like a billion mega suns and I go like to the end of the to the end of the universe and he says the end of the multiverse and I say the end of the spider verse and I win because that's that's the ultimate but there's this there's this love that we can contain you get glimpses of it. But I think that the Father really wants us to get it. That we are His beloved children. That He would and has moved heaven and earth. That He has given everything of Himself being destroyed in body and soul so that we might enter into a love relationship with Him. And so how do we see our identity as beloved of God? Here's some of the things that the Father says about you. Psalm 36 says, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadows of your wings. In Romans 5 it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that even when we're his enemies, sinners, Christ died for us. And in 1 John 4 it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. In 1 John 3, it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that they did not know him. Our Father God of the universe looks at you, into your broken little body and soul, into your unsure little heart, into the shame that you feel about your body and yourself and your weakness. And he says, I chose you out of all creation to be redeemed and become one of his kids. Have you ever gotten a glimpse into God's passion for you? When I was a kid, that, this didn't make sense to me at all. Um, I... Sorry, I'm distracted by Winnie. Um, <laughs> but when I was 19, I didn't really come to faith until 
God gave me an enduring glimpse of his passion for me. A friend of mine spoke the words that the Father spoke over Christ in Mark chapter 1. When I was 19, he said, You, Robert, are my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And something happened. I believed him. I believed that the righteousness and the intimacy of Jesus with the Father was imputed to me. That that's who I had become, was a beloved child of the one true God. And in that moment, I was surrounded, like the, the bliss of absolute acceptance and peace, security and friendship. And this is how God the Father brought me back into his family, was by revealing to me that I belonged with tenderness and loving kindness. can't make you feel that. If I could, I would. I would just like grab hold of you and show you that there is this tender place that you belong in God's family. But what we can do is we can take a second and we can pray that God's love would overwhelm us. So let's take a second. Close our eyes. When God the Father looks at you, when he looks at Zach, when he looks at Joe, when he looks at he sees his son and says, This is my beloved child. I'm deeply pleased with who he is. You are and belong to the Father. He's bought you with his blood. He's sacrificed so you could belong to him. Holy Father, may we be overwhelmed by your passion for us. Holy Father, may we see that we belong truly in your family. Whether our parents loved us or not, show us the kind of love that we were meant to have from you. And Holy Father, let us live out of this true identity, rooted in love, empowered by your Spirit. Let these gentle moments of your presence and your love sustain us, Holy Father. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness and life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in his people and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. These moments are important. They recenter our identity. We're so shaped by love that the world around them can't help but experience God's passion and care for them. I love that it says 
God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Anytime you feel like it's up to you, come back to this verse and remember that it's his mighty power at work within you to accomplish more than you could ever imagine. May this understanding, may, our, may us being rooted in love, animate our worship. May it fill us with, fill our thoughts and direct our priorities and, and move us in the way of the kingdom because the God of the universe who created all things, just imagine the vastness of creation. That if you started this moment and went from one side to the other at the speed of the God of the universe is concerned with us so that we can find peace, and purpose, and join him in his work. I want to, I just want to pray one last time. The band can come up now. Um, and I, I just want to pray one last time. We're going to take communion here in a moment. But I, I want this communion today to be a physical representation of being in Christ, and Christ being in us. So when we receive the elements and we remember his death and his life and his resurrection and our participation in this and the healing and wholeness and care and sacrifice that it represents from Christ to us in incarnation. I want this act of communion, when you take it in, it's not wine, we can't, we're not doing wine right now because of dumb COVID stuff, but I want, I want you to imagine a representation of the spirit filling you. And so when we take this, I want you to receive it and think of it as God's literal presence and love filling us up rather than it just being something we do. This is God's presence for you. Let's pray. Lord God, this gift, this gift of your sacrifice, this gift of your purpose, this gift of your presence, when you took all of your power and you took all of your love and you laid it out so that we might be united with you, Lord God, when we receive it, may you be glorified in our hearts as we worship you. Lord God, have your way in your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our weekly podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get them in your podcast feed. You can find ways to connect with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection. Fill out the form for a free gift from us. We care about you and want to help you find your way back to God. Follow at Redemption Boise on Instagram for regular encouragement.